No? The way you know Milk Dud is a bad candy is that even the people who made it, they tasted it, and they're like, what do we call this? A fucking Milk Dud. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's how you know. Put that coffee down. That's a clown question, bro. Right. Another episode off script with Lance Zerline and Eric Layden. Lance, we are remote once again. However, I got to say, I am really looking forward to next week when I am going to be face to face with you for a podcast for the first time since we started this. So uh, I'm geared up for that. But in the meantime, we have one more to get through uh, remote. It's going to be an awesome one. Uh, but before we get to, to the guest for today, um, how are you, man? You got any good news for me? I need good news. Yeah, I actually do have some good news. So this, this came down early Saturday morning, pretty much. And it came from a group called, it came from Yale, actually. Saliva Direct, which is the name of a product that Yale uh, scientists have come up with in, in conjunction with the NBA, the NBA and the NBA players association helped fund this. They've been testing players with saliva tests and the nasal tests, you know, the nasal swabs. Right. And they found that the accuracy is the same. They found in some cases it even picked things up more quickly. So, but the reason this is so huge is because unlike the nasal swabs, the turnaround on this thing is, just an hour or two, and they're working on getting it even faster. It should be even faster soon. When I got tested in LA two months ago, I sat at Dodger Stadium in my car for three hours, and it was a, it, it had to be like a saliva test because it was essentially they gave me a swab. I swabbed my cheeks, I swabbed my gums. Well, first you like cough into your elbow really hard three times, so you get like your you get it in your mouth, and then you swab all around swab the top of your tongue and put it into this little like vial. It's with, similar. Okay. It's similar, so, I mean, but it that's seems like, that's about the same, right? That's one from Rutgers. This is actually a little bit different. The Rutgers okay. one also costs you like in the neighborhood of $150. This Ooh. one, um, you, you literally just dribble saliva into a tube and this is wow. all what I've read from, you know, this group, you dribble saliva into a tube. It's going to cost the general public anywhere from 10 to $20. So this is not a big, you know, this is not going to be a big money maker. They're not really doing this for profit at all. Right. Big Pharma doesn't have this. So that's huge. So the cost is very, very reasonable. Um, so much so that you can take multiple tests if you need to. Um, and, and, you know, in some instances, you have the ability to get a very quick turnaround because any lab can handle these, including ones on campus. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take it. You just have to be accredited, which means they have to tell you how you're supposed to do it. The results will come very, very quickly. Um, right now it's at an hour, a little more than an hour, but they're working on something called saliva direct dash fast, which is going to be even more rapid response. And so you have, you have accuracy, you have low price point, you have fast turnaround. This is the game changer. Now it doesn't change COVID. You, if you, have COVID, you have COVID. I mean, you, you've still got to, you know, work on the vaccine and that's, we already know that's coming, but this is something where this makes it very reasonable for athletes to be tested 
very frequently in high school football. So many industries. It's far 100%. beyond sports and Hollywood, obviously. Restaurants, concerts. I mean, there there's a world in which you'd go to a concert maybe and you take it and then you go off into like a little waiting area and then they let you in. I mean, I wonder if it would get to that point, you know, so, but they could start to reopen stadiums. Or open so here's stadiums. where they think they can do mass massive amounts of people. There's what's called, and I've read about this before, it's it's called pooling. And so what pooling is, is oh, they would everybody take, spits into a cup, like literally well, 100 it, people spit into a cup. Yeah, it's, it's and different. It's like Russian roulette a little bit, and then you <laughs> no, just no. pass it around. It's different. Um, what they do okay. is they take your sample from, they take part of your sample from your tube, and mm-hmm. they mix it, like you said, they mix it maybe with 100 people, and they test that all at once. And if 100 people, none of them have COVID, which, you know, a lot of numbers are going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, a hundred people have been cleared. A hundred mm-hmm. people with one test. Mm-hmm. Now, if if it comes back positive, then everyone has to be retested individually. But this is right. a way that they use to get rapid results for larger groups of people. So I can't tell you how big this is for the travel industry, for restaurant industry, for your industry. I think this is major because you guys, this is this is. This plays right into how you guys would work. You just have to come to work an, uh, an hour early or even less, and you could have your results by the, you know, within 30 minutes, I think, realistically. I think that's yeah. going to be what's coming. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I mean, and by the way, like if you're a first time listener to our podcast, what you need to understand is that Lance is a bit of a, he's like our resident Fauci. Yeah. Um, and Very by much hours, so. I mean mine. Um, there's the New York Times. Uh, and, and there's obviously like a myriad of science journals that people will look to. Sure. Uh, And then there's the off script podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I pride myself on is being, uh, a diverse talent, a hybrid talent. Um, I'm a pit master. I do some kind of chef type stuff. Yeah. Obviously scientists is kind of a thing. Actor I've done, um, local theater. It's going to be interesting, like when COVID is over, which direction I go? To, yeah, I mean, you might actually yeah. have to seek counsel because I think there's going to be a void left, uh, you know, just emotionally because uh, you know people aren't going to be able to rely on you for that. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Can I bring up something before the podcast today that I need to talk to you about? And I don't know where you stand on this. I don't, um, I'm not in favor of people taking their shoes off at dinner. I'm with you. No, no, no. This is sports related. Oh, okay. So again, I'm coming at you today with your two strengths, uh, you know, medical and sports. Right. right. Do you know this story that Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. Hits, a, hits a grand slam on a 3-0 count in a game in which they were up, I think like six runs. 10 to three. And okay. They were up 10 to three. in. Okay. And he comes back to the dugout and apparently his manager is not very happy with him. Okay. Because he was, because the sign was a take and Jace Tingler, Jace Tingler, the manager of the Padres told him to take, and he didn't take and homeboy throws a meatball over the plate and Fernando Tatis Jr. Absolutely destroys it for a grand slam. Now the manager of the Rangers Woodward says, it didn't. It it it, it it didn't make us happy. We weren't happy about it. the whole ball club. wasn't happy about it. They brought in another pitcher and they threw behind Manny Machado's head because they weren't happy that Fernando Tatis Jr. did his fucking job, which is to hit home runs. Meanwhile, in 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 D.C., Soto, 
apparently watched his home run, his 447-foot bomb. He watched it for too long. And then they started, the pitcher started, you know, yapping at him to start to, you know, get around the bases because he was watching it for too too long. I am just blown away with this unspoken, holier-than-thou bullshit that these baseball purists and baseball players who can't throw better pitches think that they, like there's owed to them. If you're a pitcher and there's a 3-0 count, guess what Tatis's job is? To hit the fucking ball. If you can't do better, guess what he's going to do? He's going to hit the fucking ball. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm with you on this. Now, this isn't a new discussion. <clears throat> this is a discussion that has gone on for frankly you know, the last couple of decades, it's it's gone on the last couple of decades. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I've been doing sports talk that long and we've been, John and I have been discussing this. Now the old school, look, baseball's the, baseball's one of the only sports that has these unwritten rules that are a little bit flaky, but in baseball, you, you're not supposed to steal at certain times in the game when the score is a certain amount. You're not supposed to, you know, you're supposed to just take one down the middle. None of it really makes sense to the general public. Yeah. First of all, stealing is different. Like, I, and I will say that like, you know, if it's 10 to three and it's the eighth inning, like, okay, fine. Maybe you don't steal. And by the way, I don't care. I would steal. I would steal. But <laughs> taking a pitch, dude, if I was a baseball player right now, I would have, I'd hit and I could hit home runs. I'd play the freaking air guitar with my bat all the way around. I would sheath it into an imaginary sheath. I would, I would like, turn around and knight the first base coach or the catcher. I mean, it is a joke that these people think that these guys are disrespecting them when they do what they're literally what they're getting paid to do, which is hit home runs. But this idea that guys can't have fun or guys can't work to be as good as they possibly can um, throughout the game in college football, if you get your nuts kicked off, you get your nuts kicked off. Now I'm not saying the- there is at some point, now you do have to admit, at some point it turns into run for most teams, turns into run the football, run the football. And if but you can't there's stop no clock around. in baseball, dude. There's no right. clock in baseball. And right. by the way, the Padres bullpen has been brutal. They could turn around and lose that game. They could turn around and lose that game eleven to ten. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. The right. Padres no. are a franchise that has never they haven't had success in so long. They've got players now, Machado, certainly Tatis, that is probably one of the best players they've seen in that organization in God knows how many years. And with a bullpen that's brutal, the guy's up there throwing sliders. It's not like, you know, I mean, he's trying to get him out. Like it's there's no way that you could just say, like, all right, cool, I'm gonna take it. And by the way, this is the reason why they're losing market share and they're losing athletes to the NFL and the NBA. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, this is the horse shit that makes them lose it. I mean, how many times do you see a cornerback pop up after an incomplete pass and he might have nothing to do with it? It could be overthrown by 40 yards and that cornerback is giving you the, you know, you can't see me. You can't see me. Incomplete. (laughs) Incomplete. You can't see me. And dusting his shoulders off and shit. It's like, dude, this is entertainment. I would flip that bat so high it would get caught in the rafters. 
who are the big names? Who are the players that they can sell and they can market? Unless you have personality, you can't market a player. Mike Trout is a phenomenal player. He's not really a marketable guy. No, he's you not need marketable. to have those personalities. You yeah. got to have those personalities. Yes. These are the guys that you're going to tune in to see. I mean, I, as you know, I've been spending time in San Diego and these little league kids, I mean, they like they they're like oh my god i get to now watch for the first time in however many years uh, tatis are you kidding me in a padre jersey this is crazy like you know he's a such a marketable guy um and for a small market team like that like i mean if i'm jace whatever his name is i i'm like owning it i'm like yeah dude let's have some swag like, let's walk into the room with some swag. We are going to put it on you. And by the way, the Padres today were up 6 nothing in the second inning. And, you know, I guess they were supposed to lay down, uh, even though the Rangers ended up coming back and scoring, I think, four or five runs. I don't know if the game's over. But it's just, it's so absurd. Play the game. Play the game till it's over. How yeah, about this? Play I, the game until it's over. I'm, I'm with you on that. And to me, so it's bad if he hits a home run, a grand slam on a three and O count, but a three and one count, it's fine. You know, that just, that kind of points how ridiculous it is. You just think in a, in a time right now where basketball is kicking ass and you know, you've got one of the few sports on football, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. Like this is a chance for baseball to actually step up and, and maybe get some fans that they didn't have. And that is certainly not the way to do it. To, to get mad at one of your young stars uh, because he, quote-unquote, disrespected a pitcher for, for you know, absolutely lasering a home run or a grand slam when you were so up. I mean, it's crazy. Let me, I want to mention this. We've got Shea Serrano coming on the podcast. Yes, and- so stoked on this. Shea Serrano is an author, a journalist, a former teacher. Um, this guy is... He's the closest thing to a renaissance man as we've had on the show. So yeah, Shay is uh, Shay is one of the most creative minds that that I've run into like ever. Um, his mind, his writing, everything that he, how he sees the world is very appealing to me because it's something that I saw from you know when I first saw it, it was by Bill Simmons, where because that's kind of how I look at things. I mean, I, it was the first time I saw my same sensibilities were with Bill Simmons when he was on page two at ESPN, and then he started Grantland, and he got some some writers who were very similar. But one of the guys that I knew before he got to Grantland was Shay Serrano, and I was like, dude, just just off Twitter alone, he was hilarious. And then I started reading his articles, and he had a rap coloring book. Was the first you know, project that I saw that really garnered attention and his energy level and the way that he's taken Twitter, learned to utilize Twitter as a true marketing tool. He's one of the best I've seen it. Okay, here we are sitting down with Shea Serrano, husband, father, journalist, author, former middle school teacher, Twitter activist. Um, <laughs> honest, honestly, like, I, I, if nothing else out of this conversation, what I need to find out is whatever superpower you have that gives you more hours in your day than the rest of us, because optically it looks like you're a pretty decent husband and father. <laughs> and I know you're good at what you do, but somehow you managed to accomplish more than just about anybody I've ever seen. So that's what I'm looking for out of this. Um, I'd say thanks for being here, but you have more hours in your day. So it's not really that big of an inconvenience. Uh, what's up, Shay? What's going on, man? Uh, it only looks like I'm good at those things. I'm a miserable 
father and husband. <laughs> I haven't seen my wife or kids in like a week and a half. So perfect. <laughs> that makes us all feel better. Yeah. Where are yeah. you right now, Shay? Are you in San Antonio? I'm in my bedroom. I'm in uh, San Antonio. Yeah. So uh, with the pandemic, I mean, Eric is an actor and he can't work right now. For a long time, I was doing uh, my draft stuff. I didn't get to fly out to L.A. and do any of it. Everything was remote. We did the radio show from like my house for for two or three months. Um, you're typically pretty active in terms of travel and promotional stuff. What's it been like for you up to this point? Have you been able to travel at all? No, I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't. I haven't uh, since like what was it, March 13 or something, is when when we decided to go on lockdown at our house. Me and Laramie. So ever since then, we I haven't even been to the like I have an office, and in my office it's just me who works in there. But I still don't feel comfortable going there. Like I go there every maybe like once a month to pick up my mail on the on like a Saturday or Sunday when the building's closed. But beyond that, I don't go. I don't go anywhere. Yeah. How are you do? How are you doing with that? By the way, how are you doing? Like from a mental space, or how's your house doing from a mental space standpoint? Uh, if you don't all, mind discussing that. No, nah, we're all going crazy. We're all fucking, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a very delicate uh, ecosystem. If, if everybody is on their absolute best behavior, then it's pretty great and we're all lovely. If one person is having a bad day, it affects everyone else pretty quickly. Uh, so it super sucks. Um, I don't want to like jump off topic here, but when you said Eric was an actor, I just realized Eric was on fucking... Uh, Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Or yeah, not. allowed to say you whatever the hell you want. Yeah, you, you were on the Shooter TV series. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love that show. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I wrote like a whole thing about it when it came out because I, I I liked the movie and I was like, there's no way this TV show is gonna be good. And then it came out and Ryan was fucking incredible in it, and I loved it. It was so it was so good. Nice. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I did that on hiatus from another job and it was uh, a blessing because I spent so much time out of town yeah. and I had been living in Vancouver at the time. So when that job, they, they sent an offer for that job, which was going to keep me in LA for a few months to be with uh -huh. my family. And it was just a godsend. And, and, and you're right, man, Ryan's a, he's a beast. He shows up every day. He's ready to roll. He, you know, uh, couldn't be more gracious of a, of a lead and a number one, uh, just a really, really good professional guy. Uh, it's so good. I love that last. I think it was in the season fa finale when the guy was when like he fucking shot his arms off or something like that, like a yeah, <laughs> like a yeah. crazy thing. Um, or when he like went, when he went into the house and he, I don't even, I don't know why I didn't see this coming, but when he like messed with the little knobs on the gun, yeah, and it, like yeah. threw it off just a little bit. I was like, yeah, oh, this is fucking great. I loved it. I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought the first season ended up being better than the actual movie which was like a, a hard thing to pull off, but it was great. Yeah. Well, the movie was, the movie was incredible, but dude, your retention to detail, like the fact that uh, your retention to detail is insane. Like the fact that you can remember all of those little details when you watch mm. film, had, have you always had like that sort of memory? Because I am in the movie business, love movies. We'll get into your book in a minute, but like having read your book, it, it is remarkable the level of detail in which you talk about uh, like so many movies and so uh -huh. many films. Have you had that since you were a kid? Uh, well, when, when you're talking about the book stuff or like anything I've written, it's not like I just remember all of that all of the time. I have to go back and like rewatch it and 
and take my notes. But with with something that I really enjoy, the shooter TV show, like those things stand out. You know, right. anytime you're watching a, a a movie or a TV show or a, a game of any sort, and like you get a like a a burst in your chest, like oh that's fucking cool, or oh that's great, or oh that sucks. Like those things sort of stick with you. And that and and him messing with the little knobs because they show it later on. Uh, it's they don't show it like when it happens, but you should have realized that he was going to do that when he gets in the house. It's just it was like a cool little twist. So yeah, I'm gonna remember that sort of stuff. Well, I'll tell you uh, that during that, I had a scene, uh, which you may or may not remember, where I, it opens with me snorting lines of cocaine. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm freaking out because my dad uh, is found out, you know, what's going on. And, and I'm trying to rush and get out of town. And um, and uh, I obviously was not going to be snorting real cocaine take after take after take <laughs> um, or even for one take for that matter. Uh <laughs> So we had, I was snorting sugar and I snorted so like just copious amounts of sugar, uh, over the course of like two hours. And I remember having this <laughs> insane headache of being like, this is like, this is sugar high on a different level. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess that's a PSA for like, if you know, don't snort too much sugar. You, um, Lance, you didn't even have to be on this call because I'm going. I would just pull up Eric's IMDb page to see what else he's in, and I'm like, "Oh shit, he's been on all of this stuff." I told I, Eric this. I, like. I told him it would be like this, Shay. I told him I said, "Look, I've got some basketball stuff, but when Shay really locks in on all the shit you've done, he's probably seen it all. He's yeah. probably seen Boardwalk Empire. He's probably yeah. seen Mad Men. Like some yeah. shit you don't even remember, Shay. Because Eric, I've always said this: when I first met Eric, he was doing the Brink." And he was at the Texans practice uh, because Hard Knocks was following the Texans. Uh -huh. And John McClain introduced him to me because he knew I was really into movies and TV shows. And I was right away. I was like, dude, I've seen him before. He said he's the actor <laughs> for The Brink. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm watching The Brink. I fuck with The Brink. I, and I realized I loved his character and the other character that's with him. And so then I start to realize, wait a minute. You were in Mad Men 2? You were January Jones's brother? Wait a minute. I've watched Big Love. You were in Big Love 2? And, and so Eric's that guy that you're like, I know I've seen him before. I know I've seen him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because of the, the hat, I don't get to see like. I got long okay. Corona hair now, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> which is going to work out good because the show I'm on right now, I have to have long hair and I typically don't. So we'll just keep keep it going. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going through your thing. I've seen almost all of this stuff some of it i, I figured but well, even the lethal weapon tv show i fucking watched that thing too you watched that <laughs> i watched it i thought i watched the pilot the pilot is really good the pilot has a that's another one that has a very emotional moment i don't want to spoil it if somebody hasn't seen it yet but there's a moment in there when you're like oh fuck like how did they make me feel this thing eric knows exactly the part i'm talking about uh, and then after that i was like well i gotta watch the rest of the season now this is clearly a thing i have to do um that's funny so you're you're a sucker for uh, what I'm getting like now that having read your book and now having talked to you and we can jump into uh, movies and other things because we're here. Um, you're a sucker for that emotional moment when you don't see it coming. Mm -hmm. you, you talk about it in uh, you talk it, as far as I'm concerned too much about the movie Booksmart, even though I really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> but 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 my wife uh, my wife and i watched it and i was talking to her about some of the things that you had mentioned and she was like wow 
he gave an inordinate amount of attention to that movie uh-huh. that, you know, can really be looked at as just a girl version of Superbad. Um, you know, which obviously that is Jonah Hill's brother or sister, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, the crossover is, yeah, the crossover is there, but you really are a sucker for these action films or comedies that have this romantic moment. Yeah. Any, again, anytime that, uh, uh, movie a tv show a song even if, if it puts something in your chest right then i think like it's pulled off the thing that it wanted to pull off right and 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 you gotta like i think you have to be aware enough to know i don't know what category of thing is trying to be in. like with shooter a lot of people aren't going to be like oh that's an incredible movie or they're not going to put it like in a, the it's not it doesn't belong in the same category as shawshank redemption it's not trying to do that it's trying to do other things shooter is just trying to make you go Number one, oh, that's fucking cool. I've never seen that before. Cool. And then also they're trying to fucking make you say the Pledge of Allegiance, of, you know, with a little more gusto. You know what I'm saying? Like different things. Okay. Did you, did you, let me ask about, because I want to follow up on your emotion thing. Um, well, no, why don't you follow up first? Because I've got one that it, okay. it fits right into what Shay's talking about. And I'd be shocked if it's not something that gives you those bursts that you're talking about. Okay, well, I'm going to follow because he, he, Shay, you walked right into the first bone we have to pick. Oh, um, because Uh-oh. when I was reading the book, I was with you, dog. I mean, and I'm like, this guy, he is on it and it's super <laughs> fun and it's good. Then all of a sudden, we get to a chapter called, I believe it's chapter 18 or 19, called Who Would Win the New Academy Awards or, or who and who and what would they win in the brand new Academy yeah, Awards? Yeah. Okay. I feel like you probably know where I'm going here. You start no in nine. Okay, you start in <laughs> you start in 1995. Uh-huh. Arguably the greatest year in film, maybe outside of 98, which is a different discussion. But you pull the Oscar from Forrest Gump, uh-huh. and you pull pull that Oscar not for Pulp Fiction. Not for four weddings and a funeral, not for the Lion King and not for aforementioned by you five minutes ago, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh You pull it for speed. Fucking awesome movie. Speed. Awesome movie. Okay, bro. It's awesome. Speed. Speed. The one with Keanu Reeves and Sandy Bullock on a bus. Yes. So much fun. I just need to know, were you on drugs? Because this is the time where you can get it off your chest and it's totally fine. Everybody will forgive you. I had just rewatched Speed. And so I was really feeling Speed. I was very excited about that particular, very excited about that particular movie. Also very excited about Keanu Reeves' career. Um, we got we got like action Keanu and Point Break a few years earlier, 91 or 90 or something like that. Um, but... Speed was like, okay, this guy is going to be an action star in our lives for, for a long time. And he's going to be an action star in a, in a way we had not really seen yet. He was not, he was like, a, you know, action movies sort of shifted when Die Hard showed up. All through the 80s, it was, it was Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger, the 18 movies, I think something like that between the two of them in that decade. That's what action stars looked like, just big, beefy, hulky guys. And then in 88... Die Hard shows up and they're like, oh, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this new thing where the guy is smaller and he's like kind of angry and he doesn't really want to be doing what he's doing. He's not going to take a lot of enjoyment out of it. Also, the bad guys are going to be more streamlined like what we do with Hans Gruber. Um, And then Speed shows up 
um, after after Point Break, and we're like, oh, you can do like what Bruce Willis did, but like even slicker and even more handsome. And then everything was different from there. A lot of people don't realize the like pedigree of Keanu Reeves's action movie uh, hero legacy or his like, you know, his uh, what do you call it? I don't know his resume, right? Um, yeah, Film filmography. His filmography, but when you go through it, Speed was like a very pivotal part uh, in that list. So I was like, "Fuck it, let's give let's give Keanu his Oscar." So isn't it going to be <laughs> isn't it going to be interesting though? Because now, so Keanu was kind of introduced to us, if I remember correctly, with Bill and Ted, mm-hmm. and he had a different look, a different vibe. He um, and he was he was appealing. And then, as you mentioned, Speed was actually shortly thereafter with Speed and relatively speaking. And then he took off in a different direction. Of course, Matrix was was huge for him and, and the entire uh-huh. Matrix series. But now he's got a new one coming out, Bill and Ted 2. It's an interesting bookend for an interesting career. I wonder how we're going to – you know, he's in the era of Brad Pitt. He's in the era of Tom Hanks. He's in the era of – I mean, he came a little bit before, obviously a decade before, but he's going to be there with DiCaprio and those guys. I wonder how we're going to take a look at, I mean, this isn't like a multi-time Oscar winner, but I wonder what we're going to think. What What's Shea Serrano going to write about Keanu Reeves in 20 years? What are you going to say about his career? I'm well, gonna first, he's going to say the one-time Oscar winner because <laughs> Shea gave him right. Of the I, Serrano. Yeah. I, I, will, I will write that he was one of the greatest movie stars that we we ever had. Like if you go back and you look, he was he was in so many of of the movies that I loved. I don't know about about everybody, but so many of the, of the movies that I loved. He had this like this energy about him that not a lot of people could do. Like you can't put anybody else in the Matrix. It just doesn't work without somebody like him. He he, he you need somebody who can do the tricks that only Keanu Reeves can do where he takes this very ridiculous idea and he commits wholly to it. And it makes you feel like, Oh shit, this maybe this guy actually can fly. Like, it's not like a weird thing to say with Keanu. Nobody else can do, can do that sort of thing, but he has just hit on so many different types of movies. Uh, it's he's, he's incredible. I love him. I just love him. I wonder if, um, you know, you obviously, and I've known you long enough. So I got to know Shay just through Twitter back in about 2013 and immediately his, you know, how clever he was on Twitter caught my attention. And then I started reading stuff and I knew I had read your stuff before. I think it was in, um, you may have been in Houston press at that particular time mm-hmm. because you were freelancing in a lot of different spots, Yeah. but we had kind of the same sensibilities in terms of pop culture and you become obsessed with things. And that's one of the things I like is that even if it's a, the burst, you know, you feel like you need to share it. Cause that's how I get, I want people to if I get obsessed with something, I want, and a lot of times it's a TV show, I want other people to know about it. I want other people uh-huh. to know about it. And that seems like something that you do as well. When you get, when you see something that gives you one of those bursts, like you talked about, you want to make sure that you're sharing it with other people. I think, I don't know, but I think it's so that they can experience maybe the same thing that you did. Um, it's not as altruistic as that, mainly. It's just because I want to talk about it with other people. That's yeah. What, that's really what it is. I'm educate like, them. Yeah. No, I'm not even educate them, but like, it's not that much fun. If me, you, and Eric are are in this thing, and you say, "Oh, Eric's an actor," and it turns out I have not seen any of his stuff, right? That's the end of the conversation. It's not that much fun. But if we can all talk about the things he's been been in, or we can all be like, "Oh, we," uh, 
I like this movie. I hated this movie. I felt whatever way about this movie. It's just a more uh, robust conversation to be able to have. It's the same as when you're watching a basketball game. Basketball is more fun for me if like everybody on Twitter is watching the same game and we're all tweeting about it because we're all sort of sharing this communal experience. It's the same thing with whatever it is I'm writing about. Like I just want to talk about this thing with other people who have already experienced it because it's just more fun. So, you know, on that same note, one of the things that immediately caught my attention about you is your avatar on Twitter, because I love <laughs> blood in blood out. I love yeah. Niklo. I love blood in blood out. That was a cult movie for a lot of people. And mm -hmm. it was it, to me to the same day. It's if you know, you know, type movie, right? If you've seen yeah. it, then you're, you are in this, you're kind of in this clan where you understand. Yep. You're in the click. I, you get it. You know what I'm talking about? You tried to change your avatar one time from Miklo and it was like, it was met with it was met with universal resistance, and it just didn't feel right. And so you went back to it shortly thereafter. But um, why didn't that win an Oscar? Why didn't uh, that win a Serrano? Why didn't you go all the way back into the early '90s so that Bing Rames or Damian Chapa or or Benjamin Bratt or any of those guys could have won a Serrano? That that would have like that would have ended up being the whole entire chapter. Uh, but like uh, technically, the reason I didn't go back that far is because this all started. That set of chapters where I was like re 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 giving the Oscars started with this movie called The Big Sick that I really like, and they meant Ray Romano's character mentioned specifically in there. Uh, he has a joke about uh, if you go on the internet, people on the internet don't like uh, Forrest Gump. That's the freaking best movie ever. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna start right here and go go from there. But Blood In Blood Out is my number one favorite movie of all time. It's a movie I've seen more than any other movie. Uh, yeah, it was not very successful when it came out. I didn't, e I didn't even know it was like in the theater when it was in the theater. But I was living in San Antonio. It uh, just sort of shows up near the end of my high school career. I'd never seen anything like that before. Blockbuster? Um, Is that where you got it? Yeah, yeah. I read it it, somebody told yeah. me, go rent Blood In, Blood Out. Well, it's Bound by Honor is also what it's Bound by Honor, yeah. Yeah, go, um, walk, go rent Blood uh, Go rent. Bound by honor. You got to rent this. So I went yeah. to Blockbuster, which anyone listening, it used to be a video store. I know you won't even know what oh, they gosh. are anymore. <laughs> and uh, even though they tweeted the other day, but after I saw it, and that's one I've seen also like 10 times, but it, it never shows up. Like it's hard to see it on cable television. It doesn't, it yeah, doesn't pop up a lot. They don't play it at all. Um, it's not even on any of the streaming services. When I was doing some, uh, I was in, in Houston living there and, uh, Somebody from, I believe it was uh, Alamo Draft House reached out and they wanted to do like a little event together. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. We can play a, mu a, a movie, blah, blah, blah. And they said, yeah, you can pick whatever movie you want. And that was the one I asked for. And then they hit me back like a week later and they couldn't get the rights to it. Disney owns their rights and they won't give it to anybody for some reason. I don't know what's going well, on. Well, and I can something. tell you yeah. they're not going to put it on Disney Plus because yeah. <laughs> it ain't, it ain't it. on brand for that. <laughs> Eric, do you know who is in? Do you know the cast? Do, yeah, Are you Benjamin, familiar with yes. the cast? It's yes. a fucking awesome cast. Yeah. Really I mean, I, I movies that have the title Blood in them. I mean, if that was a chapter, um, Bloodsport would be on the top of my list. Gotta be. Sorry. There. But, uh, but you know, that that's just going to be up there on the top. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it was a different time in movies. And and for somebody that loves movies as much as you do, you know, it, when I was reading it, it, it one thing it did as I was going through, because you, you talk about all the best movies that year and who was nominated. My God, we had some amazing years in movies. 
Yeah. I mean, we had years where you were just like, you couldn't pick five movies to be nominated. There were so many movies and the movies that weren't nominated were still just great, great films. Um, we're not there anymore. It's sad. It makes me sad. And I wonder what your feeling is on, you know, the lack of movies these days. Um, and maybe the growth of television. And if you feel the same way about, you know, great television. I do. Uh, okay. So I'm going to jump back, but let me tell you three things. Number one, um, I, I have two framed movie posters in my office, like full size custom made frames for them. It's blood in, blood out and blood sport. I fucking love both of those. Movies. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, number, number two. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy well done TV. Um, I just, I just watched, uh, the other day that like the whole entire season of Ted Lasso, like in one sitting is fucking so much fun. It's really just this charming TV show. Like, yeah, but TV shows is well done. I greatly enjoy it. Uh, number two, I would, I would disagree with you on like the state of movies, good movies coming out. Yeah. I think we, we have like incredible movies every single year. Um, and we could just go back to last year, fucking parasite was that came out last year's fucking and an incredible movie is so smart so much fun to watch um what else came out like in, in 2019 uh 1917 came out that year once upon a time in hollywood um fuck every different type of version of movie came out Hustlers, yeah. the invisible man like yeah there's a, there's always really great movies but we're just not experiencing them the the same way no you would be my argument you're right. And, and last year was a good year in movies outside of Hustlers. But, um, <laughs> well, you but like Hustlers? Hustlers was terrible. You're Hustlers was unwatchable. Okay. I changed my mind. Uh, the shooter TV show sucked. <laughs> it was miserable. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> was, that's totally fine with me. Apparently, he's online with me. Yeah. I've already cashed my check. Um, <laughs> no, I felt little remorse, or or I shouldn't say remorse. I I I, I found it difficult to find sympathy for for the leads of that film, um, and I felt like I was being asked to. So oh, um, he's going into actor mode. Chase. In, but in terms of but in terms of that, well, dude, I've read the book. He can go deep, way deeper than I can. However, <laughs> the movies that they're, I mean, it does feel though now, Shay, that the movies that are being made are either the parasites, which thank God we're at a place where we find those films and they get nominated because they're beautiful amazing films they've um, been forever though eric they just got stuck in foreign in the foreign film category well they did but what i'm saying is that's because we don't we don't have the few good men the you know um the the myriad of that that 30 million dollar budget right you've got your indies and you've got your tent poles and i don't feel like you have as big of a pool of the of the middle but I consume a ton of television. And when I say television, these are now streaming movies. These series are made like movies. I mean, their quality mm -hmm. is so unbelievable that I just, for me, Eric, and, and I know you're a guy in the business and I know Shay comments on the business a lot and, and is a consumer as well. I look at it as content, like how good is the content I'm getting? And right now, the fact is the streaming services are providing you know, and when Game of Thrones was, was out, and there's always some HBO shows that are certainly there, but I feel like the content's still really strong. It's just kind of migrated a little bit, and it's more expansive now, where it can be done in several series, just like, I mean, Breaking Bad, granted that was last decade, I guess, but Breaking Bad was a phenomenal 
long-term series that, that, you know, you can find now in streaming services. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff is just being packaged a little bit, a little bit differently, but there's, there's a lot of good stuff to be watching at all. Like too much good stuff to be watching. It feels like, um, well, you know, that's a good problem to have, I think. I, so I, I don't I want to get in. It's not a bad time to be in, you know, to be in Hollywood. There's a lot of stuff going on, which mm-hmm. is good. You're, and you're busy all the time, Eric. And through streaming like Apple Plus and now Disney I Plus. I mean, yeah. I would think that's an advantage from an actor standpoint. No doubt. I'm, you know, it's, if we can get cranking again, for God's sakes, we've been out of work since <laughs> February. But yeah, no, hey, it's it's all good. So I want to I want to bring it around to uh, the NBA for a second, because the movie business needs to start back up for Eric, the TV business, stuff like that. Sports for me. Um we were watching the NBA, like the NBA, I don't even realize if they know how important it was for people in our economy, the sports economy, people in for their mental health and having something to watch. Like everyone has been watching, okay, what will happen with basketball? Can basketball make, make it happen? Um, there's been something really fun about the bubble experience as a, as a consumer. I didn't know what your thoughts were on this. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's, it's, it's uh, electric is like a corny word to use right there, but watching the games, uh, the presentation that we get as the fans, they like make it sound exactly like a normal basketball game with it. They're pumping the, the crowd sounds in. Uh, I, th- I think, I don't know if this is like a real thing or if I'm just imagining it at this point, I think they're also pumping in those, the, the sounds of shoes squeaking on the floor. Cause sometimes it looks like it doesn't match up with what the players are doing. Just- they claim it's real. They claim okay. it's real. Just wow, why, I haven't noticed that. But that's all I could look at for like the first three days. And I was like, I don't think that that's I kept rewinding it and shit. Um, <laughs> but no, it's been great. I was really nervous about them starting it up. I was like, it's it's going to be three fucking days before somebody gets coronavirus and then it's going to turn into a whole big thing and this is going to be miserable. Uh, but they are nailing that shit. Uh, they're doing it in a very responsible way. They are they're presenting like a good product. It's been It's been great to watch. Not even just the the NBA, but the WNBA bubble has been like as successful. It's been really fun to watch uh, these people just play basketball again in a, in a world where you can like the report comes out and they're like, you know, another week, no, no cases. And you just feel good. And like, all right, fucking go get it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yep. It has been cool, but I got it. Okay. So you said you didn't want to go off topic earlier and then you went off topic, but the we're called off script because we go off topic all the fucking time. So it doesn't awesome. matter. So I gotta, I gotta ask you when you were a kid, so you're somebody, I think like me, so I'm, I'm for real ADD. I know everyone says that and I just bounce all over. I don't know if you have had any of that, but you, different things catch your eyes, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering what you were like as a kid, because like the shoe squeaking that caught your eyes. And then that's all you could think about. And it made me start thinking when I was a kid, I would hyper-focus on different types of, of things that were mm-hmm. a little bit different. What, what were you like as a kid for your, uh, for your parents and, and, what were, whether it was sports or or being a uh, you know a TV watcher or or being you know I don't know what what was Shay like as a kid? Oh, I was I was pretty normal. I think I was just fucking ripping and running. And the you know I grew up on the south side of San Antonio, which is like not that great of a place to grow up. But you don't realize that until you leave it. So when you're there, it's just like oh, this place is awesome. You can get into like whatever kind of trouble you want to get into, sort of situation. So that's all I was doing. It was like a, a wake up starting in middle school because in middle school my parents were like okay you can't live here anymore you got to go live with your grandma that's like a thing that happens every once in a while in a family so I went and I lived and it was just me and her and she was working at a corner store uh so she was gone at like four in the morning 
um, I'm just at the house by myself sort of, sort of thing. And she's like, good, you know, good luck. Um, (laughs) so, so it was like, all right, cool. I, I'm like responsible for this sort of, so I'm just out in the streets with my buddies running around doing whatever. Um, and then that's what it, that's what it was. It wasn't anything like crazy, you know, we go play basketball, go get to the park, get in like a fight or like low stakes sort of stuff like that. That's all that it was. Okay. No TV, so, no crazy, crazy TV obsessions at that time. No, no, no. I was, I was, I much preferred to be outside doing, you know, on a, on a bicycle or at the basketball court. So speaking of fights, uh, I read an interview with you and you talked about your first <laughs> fight as a kid. And, uh, apparently there was this kid, you were, you weren't, you were, you were getting bullied a little bit, uh, when you were in lower school and, uh, you know, finally in about the seventh grade, whoever this piece of shit was decided in the lunchroom to come up and shove you from behind your fried shrimp and fries go sliding across (laughs) the floor. Oh, that's fucked up to lose some fried shrimp. And you turn around and I'm quoting you from the article. You say, I, I won the fight but I cheated yeah. because you turned around and you had a Barks root beer in your hand and you mm-hmm. threw it at the dude's face and then yeah. started pummeling him in a fit of rage. True. Yeah, that's true. That, but so he started picking on me in middle school, like sixth or seventh grade. And this went, this went on to like ninth or 10th grade. And then, yeah, he, I was walking with, I was walking with a buddy of mine named Joey. I'll never forget it. I'm holding in my hands, a, a, like you mentioned a, a basket of like fried shrimp and, French fries you get for like two dollars uh, and a Barks root beer. And when he the, this boy shoved me in the back, I stumbled forward. There's no top on the basket, so everything sort of fell out of it. And I knew immediately who it was because it was always the same guy. And I just fucking I couldn't take it anymore. And I turned around and all that I had, I, I I'm like I'm not that great of a fighter, uh, so I just used whatever weapon I had. And I had it just happened to be a can of soda. Uh, half drunk can of soda and I just fucking chucked it at his face as hard as I could and it, it didn't like it wasn't like a full on blow it didn't like explode in his face type of thing it sort of glanced off but it was enough to like get him stumbling back and I just jumped on top of him and I was like alright I, I was doing the thing when you start crying when yeah. you're so mad and I was just like crying and, <laughs> like and a Christmas him. story like it was Ralphie. just like you were that's exactly, yeah. what, that's exactly what it was <laughs> and and one of the teachers came running over you know teachers stand on duty during in the lunchroom and like pulled me off um but yeah that was like that that wasn't the first fight I, I was in but that wasn't like a memorable one the first fight I was in was this boy I was like in fourth or fifth grade this boy named Cody Cody Dujardin these are always dicks by the Cody way Cody Dujardin uh was Dick. the first get kid I got in a fight with and he beat the hell out of me. And it was like, I, all right, I guess this is just what I do. Yeah. I mean, guys like that, <laughs> Cody to jargon, like if you're writing a script, <laughs> like there's no chance that guy's like a cool kid or guy, I mean, sorry, a nice guy. That guy yeah. is just, he's got bangs. He's got like, like Johnny from karate kid. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I mean, the guy has just got to be an asshole. Um, all I'll say to your fight story is that I would not, if I'm refing that, that 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 fight in middle school that is not cheating like if a kid shoves you from behind and your fried yeah. shrimp hit the deck which by the way i know the exact basket you're talking about those red kind of plastic yeah, ones yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they put like a little bit of that like wax paper under it and they yeah. give you some fried shrimp uh-huh. dude you could stab that motherfucker with a fork and it's not cheating like if he tr- if he's from behind pushing you hell no that's how i, I like feel. it that's how i feel if we're gonna get in a fight <laughs> I promise you it would not be a fair fight. I'm going to cheat 
in some sort Good of way. For you. My my like number one best fight trick that I ever pulled off was it was in it was in high school. It was in like this same cafeteria, and me and this guy were like, we saw it's like one of those things where it starts as a small argument, but you guys already don't like each other, so it becomes an argument about something totally different. And we were like in each other's faces, and he pushed me, and I pushed him, and and he was like, get us Jingasso's way, like you want to fucking fight or what? <laughs> And I was like, I absolutely want to fight right now. And but I was wearing a backpack, and I pretend like you, you like put your hands through here to like take your backpack off. And I put my hands Sweet. here to take my backpack off, and just fucking punched them in the face <laughs> without taking it off. <laughs> and I was like, here we go, boom, boom, boom. Like if we get in a fight, it's not gonna be. It won't. You're not gonna walk away feeling like you didn't get cheated. Is that, yeah. that's how I that's how I fight. That's so just smart. <laughs> because of movies, all I could think of when you said the soda to the face, I'm like, okay, that's Sean Penn. And bad boys, and bad boys, yeah. <laughs> That's fucking. He pulled that shit off of fucking bad boys. I recognize that. Uh, <laughs> I recognize Ralphie when he's on top. He's hitting. Uh -huh. That's Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Um, yeah. When your boys fight, so when my boys fight, I've got my middle Mason, who is he's thirteen now. Sebastian is twelve, but Mason's yeah. bigger. Mason's a lot bigger, mm -hmm. and Mason, Mason can do some damage. I have to balance out like as an older brother and I had a younger brother, I have to balance mm -hmm. out. All right. How do I let them fight? Like, yeah. Do you let, and yours are twins. Do you let them go? Do you break it up with one of them you think is getting dirty? Like, how do you let your kids fight? The twins are like our best friends, just straight up. They, that's usually what happens with twins is like, they either really like each other. They really dislike each other. And we got lucky and, and the twins are like buddy, buddy. So, if one of them gets in a fight, it's it's usually it's not with the other twin; it's with somebody else. Um, but they are uh, they are very much like me in that they they they're trying to avoid that situation. That's not like a natural state for them. The smaller one, the baby, he's he's the fighter in the the group. Like he, for some reason, he really likes boxing. He's got the gloves. He's got the headgear. He's got this like. Uh, it's like a, a picture of headband and it's got a string on it and a little red ball and you just like tap 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 I've this seen thing. Those. Yeah. yeah. Like he like he enjoys this sort of stuff. Um so he he'll be the one I would imagine to like get in fights. Uh the other ones have never been in a fight at school. Like the closest one one got into was a shoving match before the teachers broke it up in, in class. That's the only time I've ever gotten that phone call about that. But they're not they're not kids who fight, thankfully. Yeah, are mine you, fight each other. I, oh, yeah. I made a mistake at a young age. They're they're six and seven, and I showed them Karate Kid, and mm -hmm. they thought somehow they were gonna like. They I I left. I came home. All the sofas and everything had been pushed out to the outside of the room, and they, they had like started this karate tournament. I and I kid you not. Uh, they had put on Alexa. They had put "You're the best." Uh, you're the best around. Geniuses. And then they and they were just like. I mean, they were just beating the shit out of each other. And, you know, I was like, that's, I was actually kind of impressed with the setup. So I let them go. When, uh, when the twins were younger, we had them in Taekwondo. Uh, they were doing like, we were doing the thing where, that you do as a parent when you're just like trying to find a thing that your kids like. And so we're like, okay, you're playing soccer this season. Now you're playing basketball. Now you're playing baseball, gymnastics, Taekwondo, whatever. And when they were in Taekwondo, they were in that for a couple months. And one of them, one of the twins, they really liked it all the way up until they started uh, sparring. And well, one of the twins didn't want to spar. He was like, I, I don't feel comfortable hitting other people. I don't want anybody to hit me. And the, the sensei had this idea to like give them these foam swords 
and you just like hit with that instead of punching. And he was just standing there holding a sword, trying not to cry. And the, they were like, all right, go. And then the other kid just whopped him like across the chest. And he fucking lost his mind. He just <laughs> threw his sword down and he screamed. Wah! And then he just fucking tackled this kid. and was like pounding on him. And I said, all right, I guess that's the end of our Taekwondo career. Like we don't need to, I'm not trying to build the perfect weapon here. <laughs> born identity. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. born identity. It's it funny wild. how when you think, when you know Shay knows all this about movies, and then every time something happens in your life, all I can think of was, what's that movie like? Yeah. Oh, born identity. That's a perfect one. Well, Do you a perfect uh, weapon? Oh, you're is your wife and kids. So my wife figured out she was a listener to my radio show, and that's how I actually met her, was at a radio event. And we've been married for 19 years. And so she had to figure out early on, well, she had to be cool with me bringing our life to the radio sometimes because I just, I just look at my listeners are part of an extended family and maybe the same thing for you with Twitter. I think I see a lot of similarities. And so she had to be okay with it. I know not to cross a line with certain things don't get out. But I like sharing things that my kids have done because I think it's funny. I think some shit is just really funny that they do. And so I put it out in pictures on social media. You do a lot of the same things. And I wondered if your wife is always cool with that. How long did it take for her to, her to get cool? And and what kind of what your mindset is behind allowing people into your home, you know, to to know what's going on behind the scenes at at at, uh, at Camp Serrano. Yeah, we we uh we've had that conversation. We had it pretty early on uh, when I first got on Twitter. Uh, it's just it's just a matter of being respectful. You know, I'm not going to share anything that would embarrass the kids or that they would they would they would like not want to read later on in their life. I'm not going to post anything like that on there. I'm just trying to be respectful of that. And, and with the twins, especially like two or three years ago, um, they started middle school. They're they're in grade eight now. Uh, well, when they started middle school, they were like, hey, can you not post pictures of me like uh, doing stuff? And I said, all right, cool. Like, I won't. And then it's been, you know, two or three years since then. It's not, they're not even on, on Laramie's Instagram or if they are, I just put like a thing over their face sort of situation. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the baby is like, he don't care. He's fine. But he'll he'll eventually get to an age where he's like, all right, enough of that. Um so, you know, we, we, I don't do it very much. If, if, when I do do it, I block their faces. Uh, but, you know, those are, their story, those, are, those are their stories for them to tell, not mine. You really use social media um, to your benefit, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's raising money for, some, for people, Hurricane Harvey, or uh, people that, you know, fans of yours, obviously, to help uh, sell your book. Um, do you have... Do you have you just fully embraced it? I, I really, and we've talked about it on this podcast a lot. Like I struggle a lot with social media. Um, I have an Instagram and that's it. And I use it for, you know, purposes of promoting shows. But I but I also struggle quite a bit with the idea of like just privacy. I'm just uh -huh. just the way I am and in my nature. Um, but it feels like you've really taken it and said, I'm gonna use this to my benefit and really like embraced it. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about that because it's admirable and I I'm I wish I could embrace it in the same way. Yeah, it's the the internet, social media specifically, has sort of democratized everything. Like you don't have to you don't have to like be part of a big uh platform anymore. You could just build up your own sort of space, 
you have direct access to people who you know are already like you and like are enjoying the things that you're that you're doing um so yeah i just try to use that whenever i can for whatever situation i'm in if i've got a new thing coming out a new a new book or a new story or something like i'm going to be talking about that on there if i'm trying to raise money for an organization that i think is doing some cool shit i'm going to go directly to there i've been doing it long enough that i know people will uh, oftentimes respond to it but it's just a good it's just a good weapon to have uh, at your disposal particularly if you're if if you're like in a negotiation for a thing like i'll give you a, a perfect example right now the my publisher and i are talking about doing another book uh, we have one that comes out next year uh, but they want to put another one on the schedule and i'm like all right cool we can like we can have that conversation here's like the money i need and they say their money that they want to give and then i'm like all right you're trying to pay me like my rates from three years ago but it's not three years ago anymore uh, I have more followers here. I can like, I've got numbers. I can show you the stuff that I've been doing on my own. Like it's, it's just good to have that um, behind you whenever you're in those, those situations. Okay. So you say you've got another book coming out. I'm assuming based on the way you just talked about it, you're not going to talk too much about it, which is, which is totally cool. I don't know if it's in the series of and other things. Oh but yeah. I, yeah. It's a, it's wrap and other things. It's the oh, last one. Oh, okay. Wrap another. Well, if you decide not to do the last one, I can help you co-write. I'm pitch. I've, I'm going to pitch you an idea. Give it to me. <laughs> All right. Candy and other things. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've already, I've written the first, I've got the first three chapters for you. The first chapter, why milk dud is the perfect candy. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm out. I'm out already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The chapter. Editor, the editor, Shay, edit this that is, shit out. No, see, this is why we have to write this book right here. That reaction right there. <laughs> oh, okay. The gross. milk dud is a beautiful, perfect candy, the right size. Crowns. Um, <laughs> well, you've got, you can't eat it. Like if they're old milk duds, they don't count. That's, that's, they gotta be fresh milk duds. You know, the way, you know, milk dud is a bad candy is that even the people who made it, they tasted it and they're like, what do we call this? A fucking milk dud. <laughs> like, that's, that's how you know. Yo, <laughs> the milk dud's been around since 1926. Say, kids, we've got a great candy for you to try here. <laughs> okay, it's my called milk duds. My second chapter. I don't want candies from the fucking twenties, Eric. <laughs> okay, I, then I. The, this is see. This is good. This is we're workshopping this. This is perfect. This the next chapter. Reese's fucked up the peanut butter cup when they went bigger or smaller than the mini cup. The mini cup no. is perfect. The mini cup is too much chocolate. The 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 ratios are off. No, the, the ratios. Re, the, the regular size one is a good ratio. Yes. Oh, too too yeah. small is too much chocolate. We okay. like your idea, Eric. Just let us write it. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Okay. Give us something on Skittles or Starburst. Okay. Well, my last chapter. This Green is the Starburst and yellow Starburst are the shit. Like, perfect. <laughs> Great. We'll go the other way on that one, too. This is, okay, then perfect. This is the shortest chapter in the book. It's literally one word. Red Vines or Twizzlers. Twizzlers, next chapter. Oh, and yeah. if you disagree okay. with well, me well, there, I'm then we've really I'm got aligned, a problem. I'm aligned with you on that. That's Can great. I tell y'all a very goofy story? Yeah. Um, a candy-based story. This happened to me one time. I was working on this TV show um, in San Antonio. Like, I do all of my stuff just you know, through the computer, the telephone, or whatever. I'm working on this TV show. Uh, where It's, like, in development. We're taking it out and pitching it places. And <clears throat> I'm, like, uh, at my office downtown. And right around the corner from where my office is, there is a massive, uh, there was a, a big candy store 
And so like, you know, once a week I would walk over there, pick up my candy for the week. And cause I don't, I don't drink beer or smoke cigarettes. Like candy is my thing. And oh. <clears throat> so I was down there getting my candy, whatever, minding my own business, listening to my music. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my shopping and like, I can feel my phone in my pocket buzzing a bunch of times. And I, I'm like ignoring it cause I'm in candy mode and I like need to make sure I get all the right stuff. I don't want to screw this up cause I got to wait another week. And I get all of it and I finally walk back to my office. And then as I'm walking back to my office, I look and it's the guys that I'm working on the telephone uh, on the TV show with. And they're like texting me and texting me and calling. It turns out we had a phone call uh, at that time. And I knew because it was on my schedule, but I just got so excited about the candy that I totally forgot. So I like hustle back to the office. I jump on the call. Everybody is still in there. And the producers, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Justin was a guy, one of the guys I'm working on. Justin said you had like some family emergency. Don't worry about it. And I was like, oh no no, I was just fucking buying candy at the store. <laughs> like I don't want to, I don't want to lie about it. I'm sorry. And ever since then, he's fucking been giving me shit about. This is like a year ago. And every so often, he just fucking makes a candy joke. Uh, so I thought the, I thought you were going to mention that when you said that, Eric. But I'm glad that you just love candy. No, like, I, I, candy. I had no idea. But it sounds like there's some <laughs> stuff here, so we can workshop this like yeah, yeah, off, yeah. off the pod because I think that there's something here. If you like candy as much as I do, maybe I different it. tastes. But 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 I like this. What is no. your favorite candy yeah. though? Oh, it, it uh, that's like a. Uh, okay, that's like asking somebody what their favorite five. wine is. Okay, so you know five, just give us some like five candies. You can't go with just one. Okay, well, let's break it up. Non-chocolate-based candy. If, oh. if, if, if Let's do it like this, because all of my stuff is like situational. Okay. So if I'm at the movie theater, yeah. the, candy, the candy that I get is the mini Butterfingers. And I really like, the, I really like Butterfingers. I really like mini Butterfingers. Love Butterfingers. But this is so gross. This is like a very gross thing. It's going to sound gross. I promise you it's good. Uh, I get nachos and mini Butterfingers, and I dip it in the cheese. And I promise you it's good. <laughs> I promise you. It sounds fucking awful. Mm -hmm. And everybody in my family hates it, but mm -hmm. I, I, I love it. So, um, Butterfinger, uh, uh, Payday is like a very underrated candy bar. I really like Payday. Wow, for yeah. reason. Um, no one talks about Payday. No one talks for about a reason. Payday. Uh, <laughs> peanut butter M&Ms, I think are the best of all of the M&Ms. So give me those ones. Uh, wow. the, the tropical berry Skittles are oh, very the good. The best. Skittles. Very good. Yeah. So you're not then, right down the line. You're going off. You go off script with your candies too, because tropical I'm a, berry skittles. I'm a connoisseur, baby. I'm a yeah, connoisseur. Yeah. I'm getting. I'm. Uh, you know. You're not mainstream I'm, candy. No, I mean, not, I was I'm, thinking you were going to come at me with like nerd ropes, you know, or something like, yeah. <laughs> which are like the worst candy ever. Yeah, by the that's way, that's terrible. That's, yeah, that's really really bad. Um, yeah, I'm like a. I'm like a. I'm not the uh, Avengers candy guy. I'm right. like I'm the parasite candy guy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the little tiny movie theater to go get my, you know what I'm saying? Do you un? Do the Butterfinger minis, if I remember correctly, they come in a box already pre-unwrapped, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise, we would have had a problem if you were unwrapping Butterfinger after Butterfinger in the middle of the movie. Oh no! But I, I know you have more respect than that. I have impeccable uh, movie behavior. Same as it. If if you and me are at a movie theater together, you won't hear a word from me until we walk out of the thing. Perfect. And That's we do great. Like our, it's like a, it's like being on an airplane. Like you're not going to hear from me and you're not going to smell me. And Perfect. that's all, that's all you need. Oh, see, so you and I are aligning on a lot of things. We've, we have a lot of these conversations. Are you watching the credits at the end of a movie before you leave? Yeah, for sure. Good. Good. <laughs> what are you looking for? Uh, I, mean, well, I look for people that I know and. Right. And but what does Shay look for? Um, I think at this point I've just been conditioned to like expect an end credit scene. 
<laughs> and I don't want to miss it. The worst feeling in the world is when like you miss that thing. So I'm going to just stick it out. It doesn't even matter what movie. I, we went and saw Crawl. And I was like, maybe there's a scene at the end of it. Maybe something happened after they got off the roof of the house. Who knows? I got, But I want to see it. Worst feeling, leaving a movie and then you find out later that there was like a killer scene after the credits or walking out of a game that you think is a blowout and then you're on the radio <laughs> on the way home yeah, yeah. And, you, and, and it turns out it's going to overtime and you can't get back in. You know, the, the, the one time when I was like, when I made an active decision to not leave the theater anymore was with this movie called The Gray. Did y'all ever see The Gray with Liam Neeson? Yes. Yes. But yes. incredible. It's a great movie. We, we went and saw it at the theater. It's really intense and like draining. And it, it ends with like him squaring off against the big alpha wolf. And they don't show you the fight. They just like show him getting prepared for the fight, putting the bottles in his knuckles mm -hmm. and being like, and then it goes like, and then cuts off. And I was like, that was fucking a great movie. I love this movie. And I left. And then like a year and a half later, I was tweeting about the gray. And I was like, man, I wish I had seen like who won that fight. And somebody said, what are you talking about? Like they show it at the, they show like them <laughs> laying there together at the end of the credits. And I was like, ever since then, I went and found it on YouTube immediately to watch it. But ever since then, I said, never again, I'll never make this mistake. I'm this guy. Fuck this shit. I'm not getting caught in traffic. I'm that guy with my You're kids that now. Guy? Oh, that's miserable. Seventh inning. That's miserable. Fourth quarter, middle of the fourth quarter oh, with the Rockets. Brutal. Let's roll. Actually, I go a lot later on the Rockets. My kids, and I know I'm going to hear shit about it. Well, now I'm not that guy anymore. The Super Bowl is in Houston for the second time Atlanta. ever. Atlanta versus New England. I got a press <laughs> pass. Yeah. I go. So the media, this is what they do. They ship you in in buses into like within a – quarter mile range of the football stadium for safety reasons. And you uh -huh. get screened outside and then you walk, you get screened a second time. Uh -huh. And so there were buses that were waiting to go. And I'm like, man, I got to do radio in the morning, new England's, which it wasn't even that late. New England's getting the shit beat out of them. It's the fourth quarter. Fucking I'm out. And then my dad calls Lance, can you believe what new England is, or what Atlanta is doing now? This is just terrible coaching. Now, He's an NFL coach at this standpoint who's talking about some other bad coaching going on. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, I need to be in there seeing this. Now, I can't stream it on my phone. I have to go into a hotel, into the bar area, where it's packed with nothing but Patriots fans, and watch the end of the Super Bowl there and into the overtime and watch them win with a bunch of loud, obnoxious Patriots fans. That's what you get. And then I had to go on the radio show the next day and say, I'm the guy that left in the fourth quarter and literally missed being part of the energy and the vibes of the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history. My dad and I were at that Super Bowl. It's the only Super Bowl we ever been to. Um, but we did, did you not, leave early? We, no, my dad would never allow that to happen. Of course my dad not. is a man of taste. Exactly. He, so there are, two, there are like two versions of, of this guy. Like You can be a traffic guy, sure. But there's like you leave early to be the traffic, or you sit there in the stadium and you just wait a little while to beat the traffic. Yeah. And that's I mean that's, yes. who he, that's who he is from okay. like from the Spurs games in the eighties of, of us going to through through this fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, did you, you doing, did man? you do a, a similar thing last year in the playoffs when the when the Texans were up twenty four zero where you like oh. you start writing your your game recap already? <laughs> like it was a, it was a great day in Kansas City. What, oh, that game fucking if, sucked. Well, the crispness of the air, like sports writers, <laughs> there's all those stories that they'll write and they, they get real verbose and flowery with their yeah, painting yeah, the yeah. picture. 
and then shit goes wrong in the fourth quarter and they have to rewrite the whole thing and turn it into, and then, uh, you know, and all the flowery, you know, uh, the flowery wording goes out the door. I that feel was, like, oh, go ahead, was, Shay. That was, that was one of the worst games I've ever watched in my life. In my life. I couldn't believe what I was. We were, I was so fucking fired up. We go up seven. 14, 20, 24, whatever. We're up Kansas 24. Kansas City's trying to give you the game. They're trying we're to stay here. 24 to zero in the second quarter, and we don't even have the lead at halftime. Like, how does that happen? I don't understand. I was, I was miserable. I was miserable. So, as Houston fans, and I believe if we if we went back and called the phone company and found the the exchange between Lance and I during that game. Um, I, I feel pretty confident that at the end of the, like middle of the end of the first quarter, maybe beginning of the second quarter, I, when Lance was like, this is unbelievable or something like that. I wrote, I saw the Buffalo game and Mm -hmm. I just left it at that. And I I knew as a Houston fan that there is no lead safe enough period in the discussion. You can feel good about it, but you know, as a Houston fan, the Oiler Buffalo game. There, there is just no lead great enough. Uh, certainly not with Bill O'Brien at the helm. I did it. Uh, so, so I'm from San Antonio. Uh, so the Spurs have been my team since I was a kid. And then I ended up in Houston uh, right around the time that the Texans franchise was starting. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I need a football team. San Antonio doesn't have one, so I'll be a Houston Texans fan. Same way with the Astros. I was like, I guess I like the Astros now. Right. And um, so I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't have that that baked into my bones right, like long right. like long time uh houston fans have and i think the first Which, time it, the first time it happened was was the uh was a it was like a texans colts game and the texans were up big 21 points or something and i was like it's a wrap i'm gonna fucking go to the store uh laramie and i were gonna do a little bit of shopping on the we're gonna take the rest of this sunday and we went and we're listening to the game on the on the radio and i if i'm not mistaken this was like the the rosencopter game <laughs> when he like fumbled, I think I think it was that one. If, I, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, it was. But I was listening was. to it and I couldn't believe what was happening. I was just fucking awful. This is the the worst thing. So when the when the Texans and Chiefs played and they got up twenty four zero and they and the Chiefs scored that first touchdown and Mahomes started screaming a bit and I was like, oh, this is I'm Uh-oh. I'm real nervous. I'm real nervous right now. I'm real nervous right now. And this came after after what I think. I would argue is like the greatest play in Texans history is in that Bills game when Deshaun shook off that double sack, mm-hmm. just like bounced off of him, bounced off of him through that little shove, that little pass. And I was like losing my mind. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I was having so much fun to go from that to this feeling in the span of a week was just fucking awful. Awful. What are the Shay, what are your you're a massive sports fan? I, I'm sure you have these kind of dialed up. I, I know I talk to friends about it all the time. What are your, you know, kind of top three sporting events that you've attended that I've been to yeah that you were in the stadium or, or, or arena for oh shoot um these are these are like very uh and it doesn't and, have to be an amazing performance it yeah. could be just you and your dad or something like that you know? so that's what that's exactly what I was gonna say like the ones that stick out to me are, are not the, the the big big ones but like I wouldn't even put when we went to the Super Bowl as like a uh in, in that list. Like, that was a great game, but I didn't have any connection to the teams. I didn't care about the the Falcons or the Patriots. It was cool to watch history, but beyond that, it wasn't a thing. Uh, There's one game that we went to when I was little. I was like, I don't know. I was a kid, eight, seven, six years old, something like that. But we went to the Spurs game, 
and this is when the Spurs were still miserable. And we were like, they were, they were playing in this place called the Hemisphere Arena, which was like a really old, like tiny stadium. And we were sitting way at the top. My dad uh, at the time was driving a bus for the city, uh, like a, the Metro bus. And they would just give tickets away because they were, they were the Spurs. That's how bad the Spurs were. But we were at a game and we were watching it and the Spurs were getting blown out. Um, but they're playing and the ball gets like knocked into the backcourt. The, the Spurs are on, on defense or on offense. The ball gets knocked into the backcourt. Uh, one of the players is like running after the ball, like full speed. It got knocked, knocked hard and he's fucking hauling ass full speed for it. Full speed. It's, it's getting closer and closer to the end line, just rolling on the floor. Uh, and he like dove for it, just full body dove to, to get the ball, but he missed it. And, but still everybody in the stadium just fucking went nuts for him. They're just like screaming and cheering. And I had no idea what was going on. And I asked my dad something like, you know, why are they cheering? He didn't even get the ball we're losing. This is like what's going on. And he was just straight up on some like movie TV dad type shit. And he was like, you, he tried, he just tried. And I didn't understand what it meant at the time, but it's stuck in my head. And I think about that all the time. So it's going to be stuff like that. Um, right. But they were all, they're, your, they're all going to include my dad in them. Who would play your dad in the movie? If you, if you had a dad that you could pick, who would play your dad? Uh, Isai Morales. Fucking yeah. Bob from La Bamba. Yeah, <laughs> I know Eastside. Just, East just shave his head and 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 let him do it. You know Eastai Morales. You should have. We should have started that. That's how the podcast should have started. Uh, you should have just been like, "Hey, that's my guy." I yeah, yeah, I know Eastai. We did a show together. Yeah, great guy. Which, which one? Really, which, really which nice. Show did y'all do together? Uh, the Brink. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes it was sense. a show on HBO. Oh. Um, but uh, it too short lived. Um, but yeah, dude, he's he's a. He's a, such a good guy. Just we, such a good guy. So a buddy of mine, Jason Concepcion, and I have this podcast uh, called The Connect, where every week there's like a, a theme in the middle, and then we both have to bring a movie that like connects to that theme somehow. So like we did an episode called uh, Don't Show This Movie on an Airplane. That was the theme. So he picked uh, World War Z because there's a plane crash in that movie, and then I picked La Bamba for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons. Uh, but I, So I rewatched it as research for that. And and I talked about this on the podcast, but Isai Morales as Bob is the best part of that movie. He's the most interesting, most complicated character. Uh, the the performance he gives is just fucking outstanding. He's great. I love that guy. Isai Morales is also in Bad Boys as like the bad yeah. boy, right? Yeah, he was one yeah. of them. Yeah, he was the one that like, oh shit, he just got into he got himself into juvie on purpose. I, I couldn't even remember. Like he just sort of pops up in a bunch of stuff. I remember being super excited when I turned on Ozark on Netflix yeah. and he, he walked in, in the, and he walked in the room and I was like, fuck yeah, he's I am amazing. Oh um, man. You know, he's amazing. playing, you know, he, he's playing the, he just got recast as the main villain for mission impossible eight. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, that's a great pool. Well, I want to ask about, um, you took off at an unbelievable pace. We know about rap coloring book that you did. Your writing style always made sense, I felt like, for like page two, which is what you know Bill mm -hmm. Simmons was doing at ESPN. And then all of a sudden, it was Grantland, and Bill Simmons obviously thought the same thing because you were with Grantland. But then you started also doing the different books that you were doing, and you really took off. But I wonder if – like what's the coolest thing that you've experienced? My guess is when President Obama shouts you out. Um, ah. that, that would be my guess, but I don't know. What's the coolest thing that you've experienced – with this big, quick meteoric rise over the last three to five years, uh, that was that was a really cool, really cool moment when he put the 
basketball book on his list of favorite books or whatever um, a couple years ago. Uh, recently, he he like actually mentioned me in a tweet, and he was like tweeting an article that, that the New York Times had written about like some charity stuff that me and some other people were doing. Uh, I th- I think I think I was maybe a little more excited. This is gonna sound so stupid, but I think I was a little more excited when the movie book was coming out and The Rock tweeted about it because there's like yeah. a whole chapter in there about The Rock, and and that was like a that was like a crazy crazy moment for me because I just had a, a more personal connection with The Rock by, at, at that point in my life. I've just been watching them for for so long. Just somebody I, I thought was super fucking super fucking cool uh that was that was really cool you know what was what was wild though like if i'm putting all of this stuff in order and this again is going to be a very uh, a very personal experience but when when i got hired to go work at grantland um it was like a part-time thing because i was i was teaching and i was scared to leave teaching because i really loved it and so so bill and and this guy named chris ryan sort of talk to me about working a part-time contract for them so like i won't i won't freelance anymore i'm just going to write for them and they're going to pay me like a salary I said, all right, cool. And as part of that, I had to go, I went to LA and we sat in on this, uh, they had like a big basketball meeting before the season starts, like in August or September or something where everybody's pitching ideas and doing that. But I remember walking into that room and I'm like sitting in the chair and Bill Simmons is there. I've been reading for a long time. Uh, Zach Lowe is there, like maybe the best basketball writer on the planet. Jason Concepcion is in there. Like all of these names that I had been reading for a long time. And I was just sitting in there looking around like, oh, fuck, this is fucking that was That was the first time I got a sense that I could maybe do this for a living. You, just, you know, you, you get invited into that into that room. I imagine it's like the same thing for for you, Eric. Like you walk into a room and you see some people that you look up to or admire and you're like, they let me in this fucking room. I, I can do this, I think. Same yeah. You, Lance, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody has a, a moment like that. That one, that was the one for me. I ha- Let me just say my very quickly. I, w- I had one two or three years ago where I'm in the green room at NFL network. And I only come in in March and April and I do some TV then, and I do some digital stuff in February. I'm sitting in there and I'm getting ready to do an NFL network show, not a digital show, but the NFL network. And I got my suit on and I'm waiting and I got Kurt Warner here, hall of famer. And then I got Terrell Davis here and then LaDainian Tomlinson. So the three guys in there are (laughs) LaDainian Tomlinson, Kurt Warner, um, uh, Terrell Davis, me and then like Sean O'Hara walks in, who is you know longtime <laughs> NFL offensive lineman, and so Terrell Davis figures. Oh, Willie McGinnis came in as well. So these are like perfect. Uh, these and then it's just me, and I'm just thinking I've just been doing radio shows. Like I just talk shit and try to trick my kids into bringing me stuff at the house by putting a shot clock on. I'm like ten, nine, <laughs> like that's what I do. But instead, I've got Terrell Davis. Like, oh, you write the draft stuff, right? The profiles of the players. Yeah. Hey, so the running back kid tell me about what you think about this guy. And the Ladanian goes, yeah, I saw you comped him to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, two of my favorite running backs in the history of all football ever, Ladanian mm-hmm. Tomlinson and Terrell Davis are asking me about a football player when there's no way, like I'm just trying to fake it till I make it is what I'm feeling like. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I really don't want to fuck this up because I'm talking <laughs> to two real dudes. And that was, um, for me, that was one of those experiences where I'm like, I don't think anyone would really fully appreciate this unless there's a picture like what's he doing in there? People mm-hmm. from, that I grew up with in junior high, like what the fuck is Lance doing in there with those guys? <laughs> no, I swear somehow I lucked my way into this spot over the years. I'm always turned off by guys who that are doing things that we're doing, which is essentially what we love to do. And we're getting uh-huh. paid to do it. 
start to get this false sense of entitlement or importance. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, I, you know, I guess the moment I can think about is when I walked into the first table read for the brink and I'm, you know, Jack Black is across the table from me. Tim Robbins is, you know, on the right side of me. Isai Morales is there. Jay Roach is directing and I'm going, I mean, I've done, I've been at this for a while and I've been on series before, but this just feels different, you know? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it feels like, Oh man. Okay. You go from feeling you, you have that sense of like, I belong here, right? Yeah. Like I belong here. And, and that's always a good reminder. And I think that, you know, hopefully in our careers, we continue to have those reminders because it means that you're humbled enough to know that you're not at the top yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and maybe even if you're at the top, you don't consider yourself at the top. You don't, you don't have this like sense of, importance or maybe it's a sense of um comfortability mm -hmm. yeah I, I don't think you i mean i certainly would never feel like like uh i've pulled anything off that is like something that other people couldn't do yeah. you know what i'm saying and and i think because of that i just feel like at constant threat some there's somebody else out there who's going to do a better job at this than i am and they're going to get my spot and it just always sort of sort of feels like that for sure yeah well, i think if you don't feel like drive that, yeah, I mean, if you right? don't feel you like gotta... that, you're always you're always in potential danger. Shay, before we let you go, I want to ask you some quick hit stuff um, that only you could answer. Um, and I want you to expound on this just a little bit. And I may expand okay. on some of the questions. Kawhi Leonard versus David Robinson. Who you got? Emotionally. Like oh, David. Absolutely, David. How do you feel about Kawhi? So you're a Spurs <clears throat> fan. He won, mm -hmm. He helped win a title for you. Mm -hmm. He looked like, frankly, everything about him – feels like Tim Duncan, you know, yeah. from the quiet. I, I think you, you probably assume the same thing. I mean, he's got a Duncan vibe, but then uh -huh. the way he left San Antonio felt very out of character. And I kind of wonder what you thought of a guy who was your dude. I mean, won a, won a title for you, but now he's not there anymore. And it was kind of on bad hurt feelings. Uh, when, when it happened, you, everybody of course was, was upset about it, disappointed because you're watching him play and you're like, Oh, cool, we're, we're going to be good for another 15 years. This is our guy. He's one of the best players in the league already, and he's still on the way up. Um, so that was like a sucky thing to watch happen. But like you're saying, he won us a title. You have to be appreciative of that because we don't win in 2014 without him. We don't even get to the finals in 2013 without him. Um, so you have to be like thankful for that. Uh, and then also like he left to Toronto or they traded him away. And he came back to San Antonio and he played in that game and he let us all boo him. And so we got to do that. And then afterward, him and Pop had a hug and Pop was like, all right, that's enough of that, everyone. And then and then that was it. Like you, you got to respect somebody who, who shows up and does that. And then also you just watch him play and he's such a fucking monster that you can't not like him. I love him. I love watching I, him. I just I really that clip the other day of him like walking down the hallway. I don't know if y'all saw this, but he's walking down the hallway and he's holding an iPad. He's wearing his mask and he's holding an iPad and he's like staring at it very intently. Like, Oh, he's watching like film before the game. And he turns the corner to go down the hallway and the camera sort of follows him. And you can see that he's just staring at a home screen on the <laughs> iPad and he just didn't want to talk to anybody. And you're like, this guy's fucking incredible. So I'm very pro Kawhi Leonard and I'm, I'm happy he ended up getting, to go back home and play in LA, which is like a thing he wanted to do. I thought it was super cool that he went to the Lakers, to the Clippers <laughs> rather than the Lakers. Like he's a, he's, you got to respect that guy.
I, I, here's here's one for you that I'm very interested to see what you say. Okay. Churros versus conchas. And I ask because I didn't used to really respect the concha enough. <laughs> and then I, I don't know what hit. Like, I don't know what it hit. So we've got. Uh, you became an adult. That's what happened. I guess that's what There's happened. Because, <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? I respect the, I respect the concha now. I respect yeah. it. And my mother-in-law who's been staying with us since the, uh, you know, she's Mexican. She's been staying with us since the, um, um, since the pandemic, she'll bring like a bag of 17 conchas. And I have one of my son will eat seven by himself. Cause that's mm-hmm. what he considers to be lunch. He eats nothing else but conchas, but it, man, I've gotten to where, you know what? I mean, I understand why people, I like churros. I, I still like them, but yeah, they're kind of little kid food a little bit. I mean, there's so yeah. much sugar. That's the, that's the exact trajectory that happens when you're a kid. You're all about those. And then you become a man and you're like conscious for me from now on. Like that's just, also you can, like, I really like that you can buy them at the corner store in San Antonio. They're just there. And the, yeah. like, in the, it's great. They're conscious for me. No surprise. I'm a churro guy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Churros <laughs> and churro. duds, they go together. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Pulp Fiction versus Inglorious Bastards. Oh, I think uh, Inglorious Bastards for me. Um, I think it's highly underrated. I don't think enough people talk about Inglorious Bastards. So good. Yeah, it's really good. I really like uh, Brad Pitt's character is like the 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 winning piece in that yeah. movie for me. Um, Hans Landa it just gives an outstanding performance. When that movie came out, um, and you see Hans as as the the main villain here. Uh, number one, we had not seen him before, like in a major American movie. Uh, number two, he was doing this like very cool version of this unsettling thing where he just he always knows a little bit more than you do for like the whole movie uh like we didn't know at the time like that's his main trick we just like saw this guy doing this thing that we never seen before um so inglorious bastards for me your favorite horror film of all time yeah yeah um okay this is gonna sound dumb but i really like uh the remake the halloween remake that they did a year or two ago, two years ago, uh, that Blumhouse did. It's yeah. really, it's really fucking good. Michael Myers has has always been my favorite horror movie person. Uh, and then they put that one out, and that was the first time that they did this thing where, in all of the previous movies, even the Rob Zombie one, which was not that great, but in the previous ones, they were always like he just would sort of appear out of nowhere or like be like very much the same way like a shark just appears in the water like he's not there and then he is but with this one they like uh, they like put the camera over his shoulder and you get to be with him for mm-hmm. like a for like an extended amount of time and it was really fucking cool and really scary and i i love that movie see i think the jump scares are the churros of movies and then the conchas <laughs> are the more delayed you okay. know more of an expanded because i'm with you one of the reasons i always liked michael myers better than jason was it Jason was a jump scare tactic for the most part where somebody, you knew if some door was open when they closed it, Jason was there. Michael Myers in Halloween two, where he's where Jamie Lee Curtis is dragging her limp ass, you know, ankle around the hospital and he's following her, but real cool. Like not with a huge pace. He's just going to go at a a steady ass pace. He's a walker all the way. And that felt terrifying to me. That's why like it really built up. I've always had a respect for the Halloween movies over Friday the 13th. And one, one thing that really disappointed me recently was 
I tried to put one of my kids on Friday the 13th to see if they could even, not Friday the 13th, but um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And I played the trailer and I realized, God, man, I thought this was such an incredible movie. I don't know if it holds up anymore for me, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Maybe it would, but I, I just don't know if it does. I still, I still like Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, even the one that they redid was like not terrible with uh, what was his name, Jackie O'Haley, I think is, is the guy's name. Yeah, um, he's really cool. Um, but no, yeah, M- Michael Myers has been the one for me. I think because uh, part of the reason is because he seems the most plausible. He's just like a dude. There's no magic to him. There's no anything to him. He's just fucking walking after you the whole Which time. Always- he. he he is the one. He is the one guy that I think I could escape from. Like you can't escape from Jason. He doesn't run, but he throws shit. Like he's very pro throwing shit at you. He'll throw <laughs> his machete. He'll throw fucking. And he's bo- accurate. He's very accurate. He's got a great arm. He's a Patrick Mahomes type. He knows what he's doing. Michael Myers is only going to kill you if he can grab a hold of you. And but he doesn't run. So you could do the thing that you had to do, like in the neighborhood growing up, where like the dog is chasing you. You just get on the other side of the car. And you're like going around the car. You you just like fucking. Hey, Mike, chill out, Mike. Like you know what I'm saying. Like he, he's got to he's got to touch you to get you. I think you. What around, the fuck is wrong with you, Mike? Yeah. Why are you doing this shit? And yeah. you're always he's just moving business. around the car. Yeah, yeah, in a in a circle. Maybe he's like a video game where he's just hitting the car back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> he can't even go around it. Yeah. Just... I'm at that point with my kids too, Shay. Where there's we got this couch made that's like 84 inches or some shit. And they realize now that I got such a bad foot and bad knee that they can do. The, it used to be, well, fuck it, oh, you're a little dude. kid. I'll just run you down. I can't run him down anymore. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't run him down. This happened a couple of years ago. We were in Galveston, and I was trying to catch one of the twins. He like threw some uh, like a, a sandball at me, like a wet, muddy sandball. And I was like, I'm gonna get you if you do it again. And he did it again, and he started running. And I went to chase him, expecting to grab him, and then he hit another gear. And I realized I was running as fast as I could. And he was pulling. It was oh, dude, dude. Before we go, I'm gonna tell you this, and then and then I gotta get out of here. This will be my my last thing. Um, and this happened to me. This is a football thing, so you'll you'll appreciate this one. Um, we were playing, and we were we were living in an apartment at the time. The twins and I. We just moved to San Antonio. Uh, we had we were, were there was like a transition period before we were getting into our house. So we were in an apartment for a couple months, and we were in the parking lot, and we were playing catch. That you know we we play play catch all the time. We've been doing it since we were they were kids. And the, it's me and the twins who were playing. And we started playing. First, we started playing a game that they just call receiver, where it's like they run a route and I throw it to them and they're learning that. And then they we started playing this game called cornerback, where one person's a quarterback, one person's a receiver, and the other one plays a cornerback. And you get like five throws and you have to do whatever. And so we're playing that. And I was the, always the all-time quarterback because I can you know, throw it better than they can. But they're big now. They're almost as tall as I am. They've got strong arms. They could chuck it 30 yards easy. So now they do the quarterback too. And we're playing cornerback and we're doing the thing. We're like, okay, you have to get from here to this car over here. And you've got four tries. And if you don't, I win. And so we're doing it and I'm digging them up. I'm knocking all the passes down, doing whatever. And I'm talking mad shit at this point. I'm just running my mouth. Like a and good cornerback. Like a, like any good corner. I'm like, I'm Richard Sherman out here. Right. You're right. going to hear about it. Right. You know you're, on, you're an island. <laughs> so, so we're playing and they're getting madder and madder at each other. And now they're like, going through the like routes that they had practiced before and they uh, um braxton is is the quarterback caleb is the receiver i'm out here running my mouth he hikes it caleb takes off he comes five steps and he turns 
and they do like the the, the little pump fake. And I ju- I like jumped around. I'm like, I fucking got this. And they pump fakes it, and I jump, and then Caleb takes off, and I'm like, oh god no, oh god no. <laughs> and like Braxton like launches this beautiful pass into the air, and I like hit my brakes, and I'm trying to access every reserve of energy that I can to beat this pass, and I'm wa- I'm tracking it through the air. And I'm just fucking hauling ass as best I can. My, my little legs are going. And I like, I'm catching up to the ball. And this is about to be the best interception of my life. And it's going and I jump and I like reach my hand out as far as I can get it. And it's like coming right into where my hand is. And I'm already celebrating in my head. I'm fucking ready. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, I see these other hands. Caleb, Caleb's hands are bigger than mine. He's going to be a big kid. I see his two hands come up into the shot. It's like a fucking movie. His he high-pointed you. He high-pointed it. He high-pointed me. He like His body crashes into mine. He grabs the ball. He's never made a catch like this in his life. <laughs> but he grabs the ball. He knocks into me. I fucking stumble to the side. He catches it, turns, hauls ass to the car. He gets there. I can't believe what just happened. He fucking spikes the ball down, and he starts doing that stupid Fortnite dance. And he, <laughs> now he's screaming. Braxton... Is like losing his mind. He's screaming too. He just got two hands in the air, yelling. It was the fucking worst day of my life, and I was—I've never been more proud of either of them because now they were just talking all kinds of shit the whole rest of the week, just running their mouth. It was fucking awesome. Well, it sounds it's called, like it it's called getting like mossed. The, That's what they call that now. The kids call it getting mossed. I got mossed. You got, got mossed. It sounds like based on what you've told us, your relationship with your father and, and how special a lot of moments are, that's going to be something that, uh, you know, even if one of them plays college, you know, maybe years from now when they say, what was your best touchdown? You, you know, Braxton, oh, what God. was the best touchdown catch you ever had? <laughs> that's going to be it. And, and if that is the case, then that's, uh, that's pretty special, man. Yeah. That, that's pretty that was- special. I really appreciate your time, dude. Um, Thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day, your busy day, and and it's been a pleasure to uh, to get to chat with you a little bit. And I hope our our paths cross again. Yeah, yeah. Invite me on uh, when we can do it in person, and we'll just have a fucking giant bowl of milk duds for all of us. To- yeah, <laughs> dude, you're if you don't think you're getting milk duds to the house, you're crazy, man. Yeah, maybe in the spring if everything's back and I'm in L.A. And if you happen to be, do you get to L.A. at all anymore or no? Uh, yeah, d- n- during the not pandemic, I'm out there like every few weeks. See, that might be Eric. We might be able to do like a live podcast out in LA one time. Yeah. I mean, in the meanwhile, I'm going to get to, I'll start breaking story on candy and other things and I'll just start sending <laughs> you some, some stuff and you can hit me back with notes and we'll just start workshopping this thing. Yeah. Like terrible right, cool. candy. <laughs> <laughs> Later, man. Appreciate right, it, Shane. Take it easy. All right, late. Okay, that's going to do it today. Thanks again to Tony Moles over at the Anthem Agency for our artwork, anthmagency.com. Great guy. Go out to Tony for any graphic design needs. They can set you up. Check out everything he does on Instagram at the Anthem Agency, A-N-T-H-M. Thank you to Blackland Distillery out of Fort Worth, bringing spirits to our guests and to Lance and I. Uh, check them out online or on Instagram, Blackland Distillery. And our music is done by Josh Cook of Here Lies Foe.